0: Uh, we have a verse or two this morning, the first comes from Proverbs 21:31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And our next verses are from Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my present, but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Uh, This morning, uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you uh, our guest preacher, who is Tony Thomas. Uh, Tony is the... Assistant Director of City Impact at Perimeter Church. And uh, he has a vision that is to see a minority-led, multi-ethnic church planted that can strategically reach South Asians and yet also reflect the diversity of the nations. I think that's a beautiful vision. Uh, He told me this morning he's uh, going to be planting a church, he and his wife, uh, uh, here in, I think he said, Forsyth. So uh, Tony and his wife, Marilyn, and their three kids, they moved here to Atlanta, I think, in 2019. Uh, They came from Chicago. And Ryan and I met him through uh, Metro Atlanta Collective, which is a church planting network. Uh, He is an ordained teaching elder in the PCA. He comes through uh, the uh, Korean Central Presbytery. And uh, he's also a Chicago Bulls fan. And uh, that's really between him and God, who everyone knows is a Lakers fan. So uh, if you guys uh, would uh, join me in praying for Tony as he comes to preach. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this uh, summer series in the book of Proverbs. We thank you uh, for Tony and his family and their willingness to come and serve your body here this morning. As he opens your word, I pray, Lord, that you would silence in him any apprehensions or anxieties, that you would let him be less and you be more. And we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you all this morning for worship. And uh, again, thank you to Brandon, to, to Ryan as well, and all the leadership here for inviting me to, to come and share God's word with you. It's a, it's a privilege uh, and a joy uh, to be here. I've been praying since I was invited that the Lord would come and bless this time. I know Brandon uh, just prayed, but if you wouldn't mind, let me just pray for us one more time before we break open God's word. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this time. We pray, uh, Father, that you would now send your spirit uh, because of the work of your son, Jesus, uh, to to bless us, to speak to us, to do work that only you can do. Uh, do it for the sake of your great name and for the joy of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know that uh, this church is going through this series in Proverbs this summer, and so the the, the, the word that the Lord put on my heart to, to kind of share was this idea of wisdom for sanctification. And um, if I can just share a little bit personally of where Uh, This message comes from, for me personally, I I served for many years actually at a church that was largely a college campus church, and so over the years I had the privilege of discipling, especially young men, uh, and they would share with me various struggles that they had in their Christian life, and so the interesting thing is that a lot of those guys were leaders in the church, they were Bible study leaders, they were, uh, you know, theologically astute, Uh, they were disciplers of other people, uh, but often they were caught in various besetting sins in their life. And so here's the, the thing that I started to realize the insight I kind of gathered from that is that sanctification, you know, becoming more like Jesus, growing in our holiness, uh, it, it, it is not, it cannot only be uh, feeding people good theological truths and insights. Trust me, I, I, I love theology, uh, it's essential for fighting sin and for growing to be like Christ. But uh, for example, here's this key truth that um, Brandon had read for us in the scriptures uh, Philippians 2. Twelve to thirteen says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your salvation uh, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Right. So, so the people that I would be often mentoring, discipling, would know, yes, sanctification is somehow my work, but it is also ultimately God's work, and uh, and I'd say amen to that. But what I realize is that in the midst of counseling. People that many had very little sense of practical steps to make that theology, in a sense, an applied theology. And uh, I sense what I realized that they needed not just a, a theology of, salva- uh, of sanctification, they needed wisdom for sanctification. And I think here, here's a definition of wisdom that I, that I love, is that wisdom is learning to live between the verses, Meaning that there are clear verses, clear scriptures uh, that teach us truth that we're to know and to understand and to obey, but there's so much of life that is not dictated in the scripture. Uh, there, there are choices, decisions that we have to make in our life, and yet we're called to live with Christ-honoring uh, lives in, in those things, and, and, and yet what wisdom says is that we're to live so saturated in the scripture uh, that, that we develop this wisdom that we know how to live in between the verses, with wisdom for everyday living. And I think that's really the heart of the book of Proverbs. And so what I was realizing as I was discipling many of the brothers is that they had a, a theology of sanctification, but there was a lack of learning to live between the verses, how to develop wisdom uh, to live out sanctification. And so as we, we dive into this word, um, you know, I hope it'll be a, a relevant word for all of us. And here's the reality is that, you know, the wisdom that I was showing, sharing with those, those young men, really it was just wisdom that I was sharing out of my own journey of God teaching me how to battle sin and to fight for holiness in my own life. And, and then, you know, what, what you realize is the longer that you live Christian life, you know, certainly we want to get to places where we are not battling a blatant immorality in our life. But you realize that the longer that you live, even if you've overcome those things, that you realize the more you know the holiness of God, the more you see your sinfulness. Well, you realize that at essence, uh, we all have the battle of the addict. You know, John Calvin himself said that, that our hearts are idol factories. It's just many, that many times our addictions are more the older brother Pharisee type of sins, more than the younger brother prodigal types of sins. And also, uh, you know, the more and more, especially the last couple of years, uh, especially being a pastor, I'm, I'm sobered uh, to see many spiritual heroes uh, that have succumbed to moral failures to know that, that, that an older brother, Pharisee, can, can quickly uh, dive into younger brother's sins. And so I, I preach this message in many ways. I preach it for myself, uh, just, to, uh, just to, to, to remind myself of my need for holiness. Uh, but I pray that uh, it would be here for everyone whether we're here, maybe, maybe as a younger brother, or maybe as an older brother, Pharisee, that wherever we are, I think a word, uh, the Lord has a word for us. Amen? And so here's, a, here's the outline of what we'll, we'll look at. It was, we'll get three points then for this wisdom for sanctification. We'll, we'll look at before the battle, preparation. Uh, in the battle, we'll, we have to fight. And then after the battle, we'll learn about gospel recommitment. All right. And so, what I'll do throughout the the message, I'll reference kind of specific battles for against sin and battles for holiness uh, to kind of make it concrete. But you could, uh, it could be applied, these principles could be applied to a variety of battles in our life, whatever they may be. But, you know, in terms of specific sin, I know that there are children here, so I'll be careful to keep it general, but just dealing with areas of clear moral compromise. You could fill in the blanks of what that might mean. And then for specific godliness, I'll make reference to developing a regular rhythm of being with the Lord. And there could be different things that we fight for, but I'll, I'll talk about that. You know, people talk about quiet time or, or, or devotions or daily office, whatever it is. The name's not important as much as the, the reality of having communion with Christ, uh, developing our enjoyment of Christ, that, that it becomes fuel uh, to hate sin and to become like Christ. Okay, so... So let's get started. So first, first point we'll talk about is being is before the battle, the principle of preparation. The principle of preparation is this, is that, you know, one of the things that I would find frustrating is I would uh, mentor, disciple young men is, is, uh, is how little they would have a plan for spiritual victory. So here's how the conversation would go. You know, we'd have a conversation and they'd say, you know, Pastor Tony, I want, I want to overcome this, this sin and... I want to grow. I want to change, and and I'll be like, "That's awesome, brother!" And and I ask, you know, "What's your plan? What's your plan of attack?" And too often, uh, it'd be like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What what are you talking about?" And I'd be like, "Ah, (laughs) you're killing me!" Right? Who, who in life, in any, in any profession, anything uh, that, that 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 accomplishes anything without preparation, planning, intentionality, right? And so I'd ask, "Do you have a battle plan?" You know, how are you going to overcome this serious addiction in your life with just goodwill? You know, what, what, what many of us fail to understand is that regular season battles are won in off seasons of preparation. The more we store up spiritual strength, the more that we're be able to, to battle when the, when, when the battle is most intense. Again, we see this from Proverbs, actually. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 uh, and 8. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard." Consider her ways and be wise. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest, so the ant is is able to eat in the fall harvest and in, in even in the lean winter months. Uh, why? Because she is laboring hard in preparation in the summer months. So the key to winning in the battle is actually fighting before the battle. And so let's get more practical. What does this look like? And so uh, I think. Uh, we need practical preparation, and, and a couple couple things that that means practically things that 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 I've done is, is one is having a personal retreat before the Lord. Uh, I think in in any before the battle moment, you start by sitting down, spending time with the Lord, brainstorming, prayer storming. You know, God, how 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 can I fight for victory? Again, I call it taking a personal retreat. For me, it's it's going to a coffee shop. Uh, or going by a lake and, and getting my Bible, getting my journal, and I sit down and I don't leave until I've met with God, until I have a deep sense that he's with me in this battle. And then I write down some very specific ways that the Lord has called me to fight. All right, and that leads to the second point is develop a battle plan. And I love this verse, and again, Brandon read it, is Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one. it says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. You hear that? The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. You see in that verse, the great interplay of God working and God working through our means of battling, right? This, this verse is saying that you want victory, then victory belongs to the Lord. God delivers. So pray, commit this unmovable mountain in your life to the Lord. But it also says the horse is made ready for battle meaning that God ordains that horses and spears and swords and chariots be part of how the battle is won. And so if you don't get those things ready, you should not expect victory either. And so uh, I'll give an example for myself, uh, the example of devotions. You know, in college was a time for me that the Lord convicted me that mornings were the time that I, I, I needed to be with the Lord. And so uh, in that in that battle, I'm not a morning. I was not a morning person. I think I've developed that now, but definitely not in college. And so, uh, you know, I experienced in that moment this the reality of this verse uh, getting the horse, horse ready for battle, and victory belonging to the Lord. So the the way that I would get the horse ready for battle, and even even to this day I do this is I set set my alarm, and I would put it in the bathroom, okay? Because uh, I would have it you know by my nightstand or whatever it would be, and I'd snooze, and I would not even wake up. I'm such a deep sleeper, right? Now, does that work all the time? I, I wish I could say it works all the time, but, but it was one way for me to say, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get the horse ready. I'm, I'm gonna put a battle plan in place. And I, 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 want, I, want, I wanna wake up. I wanna, I wanna fight. Well, so that's, that's one way. But I've also experienced victory belonging to the Lord because in my personal retreat where I'm saying, Lord, I, I, wanna, I wanna be with you. Uh, God, but you know I'm a weakling. You know that, that I can't do it. You know how weak I am, God, so help me. I need your help. And I, and I, and I plead with the Lord in my retreat. And I, and I kid you, this has not happened every time, but there, there are certain times The next morning I wake up, and there's this insane leg cramp. I'm like, ah, oh! and I wake up. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. And then, um, you know, other times, you know, I, I'm like, wake up. I got this, oh, like stomach thing going on. And I got to like run to the bathroom and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And, um, the, the the one that was that was really crazy was I remember uh, you know one time I was just really tired but as soon as my alarm went off this beam of light shines in my face and I was in I was in in my bed and I and, and the, the blinds were in such a way that the, there was a beam of light <laughs> that was going across and it landed right on my face with like the Shekinah glory of God it was so bright and uh, and I woke up I was ah and I was like thank you Jesus. And, uh, and in that moment, I, in those moments, I felt like, you know, I just felt like, God, you're with me. God, you hear my prayer. You know how weak I am. And, and, I, and I was reminded that victory belongs to the Lord. Amen. Uh, in your fight, you know, ma- make some battle plans. Get the horse ready. But, but expect that your, your God will show up. He's going to show up. He's going to be with you. Uh, and I think that, that that's, that's how we prepare. So we do our part to prepare. You make your commitments and yet now it's, it's game time, right? There's a moment that arises, that moment of temptation. You fill in the blank of what, what that is for you. What, do you. what do you do in the moment of temptation? And, and, and the second point is this, is that in the battle we fight. Uh, two, two types of fights that I would point us to is, is a practical fight, and then a, a spiritual fight. Practical fight, uh, the key word here is, is, is this word boundaries. We need boundaries. Uh, this bleeds in with that preparation stage that I talked about, but in the preparation stage, you, you, we need specific boundaries or rules for, for battle situations that are to rise. You know, the, the, the heart, the human heart is too devious, too, too wicked to leave things to, to chance in the moment when the battle is most intense. And so Proverbs 5.23 says, he dies for lack of discipline. Because of his great folly, he has led astray. So we, we need boundaries, discipline that we, we preset. Uh, Psalm 119, 175, it says, let my soul praise you. Uh, let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. All right. so the, the psalmist is saying here that I want to live spiritually. I want to I praise you, uh, but God, I need your rules. I need your boundaries to, to keep me from sin, to keep me in godliness that your rules help me. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but, you know, I think if, if this is the heart posture that we have, you know, this is not legalism, but it's a heart that says, God, I love you. I want to love you. It's not about rule keeping, but it's about knowing and loving and enjoying God. And, and, and these boundaries are to serve that purpose. Okay, so how does, how does this work? Let's, let's use the example of, you know, of battling against lust. Yeah, by God's grace, I can say in my life that I'm not falling into explicit moral failures in my life, but, but I always need to be on guard. And so there's some specific rules that, that I, I have in place in my life. Uh, one of them, maybe you've heard of this, it's called bouncing the eyes. Okay, so in our culture, there's, there's images all around us, right? Images all around uh, that are prone to cause us to fall into temptation. And so the rule is to bounce, bounce my eyes. I've trained myself that is, is once I see it, I'm like boom, bam, bounce. Okay, and then the other rule is, is no second looks, right? So you bounce, but then it's like boom, you don't go back, right? So. Uh, you know, kind of a funny story is that, you know, there's a brother of our, you know, of mine that, you know, we kind of had accountability. I remember this brother was walking down the street and there was, you know, this person that walked past. And so, you know, he, he bounced the eyes, but then he went back for the second look. And then the other brother saw this and slapped him. It's like, no second looks, right? That's great accountability, right? But, you know, kind of funny, but, you know, in a serious note, you know, as I, as I think of that, that rule so, to speak, I, I, I love that rule because it is a savior for my soul in so many ways. Because as a married man, you know, I only want eyes for my wife. She's the only woman that deserves my eyes. And so, out of love, I, I, I create that boundary in my life. Uh, what about entertainment? I enjoy watching movies. I, I, I don't dictate that I can't watch R rated films, but at the same time, I won't watch any, any movie. All right, so here's the process. Maybe you know IMDb has uh, you know, guides that show you what are the explicit scenes in a certain movie. Beforehand, we, we read those. We, we, want, we, we pay attention to what would be in a movie. And, and if something's extremely crude or inappropriate, uh, we just say that we won't watch that. Right? I don't know what that is, but we need lines that we draw in the sand. As Christians, that we say that there, there are certain lines that we just don't cross. And so here's the point is that we don't leave anything uh, to chance in the moment of battle. We have boundaries that are in place and we say like the psalmist, uh, Lord, let your rules help me. I wanna live, I wanna praise you. And so we need these practical fight rules, but we endow it with spiritual strength. So, so we have practical fight, but we also have spiritual fight, which I would call uh, the word in prayer. Uh, the most specific thing I would say that in the, in, in uh, in the moment of the battle, uh, is, is to revert to God's word. And specifically what I would say, a specific script, uh, memorized scripture. Some people call them having fighter verses for the moment of battle. So for example, for me in, in college, again, that the, that season, I was trying to learn to get up in the mornings. I, uh, you know, I was in a bunk bed, and so I, I was on the top bunk. And so on the ceiling, I, I, I taped, taped up on the ceiling, Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26. So when I would wake up, the first thing I would see is, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth is nothing I desire besides you. Uh, my heart and my flesh may fail, God, but you are the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And so I tried to plant in, in, in my heart, the first thing in the morning is, God, whom have I in earth, heaven but you? Earth is nothing I desire besides you. I want you more than sleep, God. I want you more than anything else, God. And in, the, in that moment, that scripture became strength, a strength to get up. Uh, you know, I know for, for, for battling lust, I know brothers that have, have used Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And in the moment of temptation, it's God, blessed are the pure in heart. God, I don't, I don't want to look at that. I want to look at you. I want to see you. I don't want to stop seeing you, God. And with, that, with, that, with, with the holding on to that verse, fighting with that scripture, uh, God often gives strength. I believe that memorized scripture, uh, made into prayer, becomes power in the heat of battle. And so we talked about before the battle, we talked about in the battle. But we also need to talk about finally after the battle. And it's what I call gospel recommitment. I think it's absolutely needed because um, if you're anything like me, you might be better than me. You you definitely (laughs) may be. Uh, But no matter uh, how many times I've prepared, tried to fight, you you know, you still fail a million times, right? I think maybe the biggest key to sanctification in Christian life is, is not the fight not to fall, but it's the fight to not get discouraged when you fall. And I think that's where so often we get tripped up. Is has, has, how do I fall and keep going? And so we need to talk about after the battle, gospel recommitment. And so, so a few, few things here is the first thing is that we, we deal with our sin deeply. You know, what do you, what do, you do after failure? You know, I, I know my tendency, I think the human tendency we see this in Adam and Eve is that we, we wanna ignore, we wanna hide. But here, here, here'd be the encouragement I, I give is, is, is don't ignore your sin. When you fail, though it's painful, obviously it's painful, but we call sin sin, and we face it. Uh, It it is it is painful to face our failures, but but when we go through this whole process of recommitment, there is more joy and more grace that we experience than when we experience sweeping sin under the rug. Proverbs 28:13 says this is whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Um, and so and so we can conceal our sin, but you won't prosper. Uh, but you you confess it, you'll obtain mercy from God. There's blessing. We confess. Another thing I'd say is it's important to confess is not just to confess our sin to God, obviously to God, but we confess to one another in the body of Christ, in the safety of safe relationships. Sin loses its power when it's brought to the light and especially the light of the body of Christ. And even more specifically, there are protections that God gives us in the church, in church discipline, through the elders of the church as well. So I pray that, you know, maybe may for some of us here, I don't, I, obviously I don't know you here, but maybe some of you, this is the one thing you need to hear: is that there needs to be a confession today. Maybe, maybe you need to come clean about something. And so, hear this, brother, sister: whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But if you confess and if you forsake, you'll obtain mercy. There's mercy you'll find when you confess. So we don't we don't ignore our sin. But also, here's another key with sin: is that we don't we don't, we're not shallow. And how we view our sin. What I mean by this, that oftentimes our, our repentance as Christians can be shallow. You know, it, it could just be confessing to God, I'm sorry that I fell, I failed, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't keep my commitment, whatever it is. But that while that's good, that, that's often not deep enough uh, for us to truly fight sin and to fight for holiness. I, you know, I love what Proverbs 20, verse 5 says it says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. What this verse says is that the heart is deep. There are deep reasons why we do what we do. You know, we're not animals that are just as instinctual, but, uh, but, but there are deep motivations in the heart that cause us to act in certain ways. And you know, what we need, what, according to the scripture, what we need is we need insight. We need understanding. When we're a man of understanding, we, we draw out those deep reasons, and we learn to repent more deeply. You know, repentance becomes deep when we repent not only of what we did, but why we did it. Uh, So for me, practically, again, it's through those times of retreating, being with the Lord in his word, prayer, and often for me, journaling. You know, um, I think as John Piper says, the pen has eyes. As we write, there's insights that come to see uh, the deeper roots of my sin. You know, but seeing your sin uh, more deeply is, is never easy. You actually feel worse. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why we avoid introspection sometimes. because we get discouraged. But, but, but I want to I say this that we, we, we do need to go there, but we don't stay there. We don't stay at seeing our sin that we, we start there, but then we, it leads us to gazing at Christ, which leads to the next point, is that we stand confidently in our justification. I pray that, that you may be familiar with this term, this important term of the Christian life, justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And this is the heart of the Christian gospel. I mean, everything I've said so far, in some ways, a, a religious person, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, uh, a self-help guru could be like, man, this is good stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. It would, it would help them to be more devout or, or, help, or faithful. But this is what's radical about Christianity, about the gospel, is that we remember that God loves us and accepts us, not on the basis of our progress and our sanctification, but solely on the basis of what Christ has done for us. And that is why Romans 8.1 is so cherished in our battle with sanctification is that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that though you have failed and fallen, and even if you have succeeded, that you and I are accepted and considered righteous on the basis of Christ and Christ alone. So let me, let me illustrate this further through an illustration with uh, Martin Luther. If you're familiar with Martin Luther, he's the father of, considered the father of the, the Protestant Reformation. He was a man who was tortured by his own sin, yet he found freedom as he discovered in the scripture this doctrine of justification by faith alone. Now, historically, it's said that, that Luther would have these battles with Satan, these almost seemingly literal battles because I, I think Satan realized that if Luther discovered this doctrine and, and brought it to the church, that the church would be transformed. And so, so he would come and, and kind of persecute Luther uh, with guilt and with shame. And so uh, I'm going to read a written account. It's not, it's not an actual account, but it's, it's, it's recorded to what it may have been like, what these battles of Luther and Satan may have been like. So, so listen along with me. Uh, it says that Satan appeared at night, to Luther and said to Luther, Luther, how dare you seek to be a reformer of the church? Luther, don't you remember that you've committed this sin and that you've been guilty of that sin? You've omitted this responsibility and that responsibility. Let your reform begin in your own self. How dare you pretend to be a reformer of the church? So Martin Luther hears all these accusations from Satan and he says to Satan, Satan, there's a piece of paper on the table and I want you to write down on that piece of paper all the sins you've just accused me of. And if there's any more sins, then then write them down as well. And Satan, hearing hearing this, rejoices at the opportunity to accuse Luther of all of his sins. And he writes this long and painful list of all the sins of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, at the end, he says, have you written down all my sins, Satan? And Satan says, yes, it's a dark and black and long list of sins. It will stop you from making any attempt to change the church until you have first purified yourself of all of your sins. Luther, when he hears that, he says, Satan, uh, my sins are many. You're absolutely right. My transgressions in the sight of an infinitely holy God are countless as the hairs of my head. There's no good thing that dwells in me. But Satan, I want you to do something else. At At the end of that long list of sins, I want you to write down one more thing. Write down that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses of all sin. And Martin Luther, in that scripture, had peace. And Satan, knowing the source of his peace, had no more advantage against him. Brothers and sisters, the gospel means that you can stand confidently in your justification in Jesus Christ. No matter how numerous your failures, at the end of the long list of sins in your life, you write this down. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me of all my sin. Amen? And we we hold on to that. We're strengthened by that. We're confident. We're confident in that. But here's the next question: it says, does, our, does our confidence and justification leave us passive? The answer is no. In that peace, we recommit. We recommit again. Proverbs twenty-four sixteen says, "For the righteous fall." <laughs> the, the righteous, the righteous fall seven times. What makes them righteous? And they rise again. Right, the, the, the key here in the scripture is not that you're righteous because you didn't fall, uh, but it's because you rise again. That's the heart of a justified saint. It's, you know, I fell, I fell, I fell again and again and again, yet I'm not condemned. And though I fall, he can make me new. Now, there's, a, there's a certain feistiness that you develop as a justified saint. Uh, that that you need to develop that feistiness, uh, if you're going to overcome specific sins or fight for godliness. Uh, here's a here's a picture here uh, of a, of a gymnast and a boxer. You know, some of us we think Christian living is like a gymnast on a balance beam, you're trying to trying to stay on the stay on the the beam, and then if you fall off, it's like ah, oh, it's over. But that, that's not Christian life. Christian life is like a boxer. You get hit. You get beat, you fall, but you, you get up off the mat. You get up. The righteous fall seven times. They rise again. Um, and so we got to remember this. In the midst of our recommitments, that after each failure, uh, and in some sense we can say that it's not a true failure because there, there's growth even between the failures, even in the midst of trying to keep our commitments God honors that. I love uh, 2 Corinthians three eighteen says that we are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. I get encouraged by that word one degree. You know, Christian sanctification feels like one degree at a time. We should never be discouraged by the small victories. You can rejoice in one degree of change in us. That's one degree of glory. And what we have to realize, especially as I've counseled people with addictions, is that many times it takes time. It takes time to overcome outward habits. Obviously, God can do miracles and change us in a moment, but that's not the story for many people that I've counseled. And, you know, I describe it like this. I describe it like fighting a sumo wrestler. So, you know, it's like you've been feeding this guy, the sumo, for years, right? He's not going to go away in a day right? But day by day, you starve the sumo. You starve him until he gets to be a manageable size and you find yourself more addicted yourself to godly things. The temptations start to go, go down. You start, you, before you're getting flattened every time, you start having victories and you start overcoming. And so I give this scenario sometimes to, to some, some of the brothers, you know, that struggle with addictions. And I say this, you know, uh, let's say that you're, you're, you're sitting and and you're in a place of temptation and you don't want to fall. And you're saying, God, I don't want to fall. I want to overcome. God, help me. And you're fighting, you're battling, and yet you still, you still, you still gave in. You still fell. And yet you're, you're grieved. You're grieved in your heart. You hate it. And what I would say to them in that moment is, you know, you did fail. You did fall in that moment. But I want to say something to you that inwardly, I want you to be encouraged that you fought, that there's something in you that wants to love God. There's something in you that, that, that has sorrow and grief over your sin that pleases God. There's some change of glory in you, even in your failure. So press on, brother. Be encouraged, brother or sister. Stand confidently in your justification and your failure and then recommit again on gospel grounds. And as you change from one degree of glory to the other, that next inward change of glory might be what helps you to get over the hump. So keep going, keep pressing on and God by his grace will give you strength. I wanna close by showing a a final video. It's a video of my my son. Uh, He was was two years old at the time, but uh, he loves basketball. And so he was trying to shoot on a 10-foot r- hoop. It was a smaller ball, but it was, it was hard for him. But he, he kept trying here. So I want to show a video of this real quick. Okay. All right, John. Dad is taking video. Make the shot. Oh! oh. You almost make it? Almost oh uh, Hey, come on, John.
0: Okay. Here, try
1: again. Five. Six. Oh. 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 Ah! You made it. Yeah! <laughs> All right, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, you know, I show that video. I know it's kind of a little facetious in sense, but uh, it's a video that I think pictures, hopefully, a little bit of what God is like. You know, um, just as a father uh, that looks at their child you know, what's your image of what God sees when he looks at you struggling? Is it, is it an image of condemnation or is it one who celebrates the steps? Who rejoices in you, sees you as righteous and justified and perfect and is your beloved, his beloved child. You know, I, I wish I can guarantee you, I don't know all the struggles that are here. I, I wish I can guarantee that we'd overcome all of our struggles after this Sunday. Praise God. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Probably the only guarantee I can give is that there will be failures. But there is a gospel guarantee that's more sure than our failures. It's the guarantee of our heavenly father that loves us with perfect love. And in that strength, we can go on. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, We thank you so much for this time. We thank you for being your children. And uh, Father, I just, we just pray now. We pray for for all of us that are gathered here. God, I do pray right now that if there are any here that are in places of sin and compromise that are being hidden, they're not being confessed, oh God, uh, your word says that he who conceals a sin will not prosper. And so, Lord, uh, I pray that any that would continue to conceal sin, that should be confessed. Oh, God, would you not allow them out of your love, allow them not to prosper? But, God, in your love, uh, would, you, would you reveal sin? Would you expose sin? not because you hate, but because when we are exposed, it's when we come alive. It's in exposing ourselves to Christ and to the body that your word says that we obtain mercy. Oh God, may there be a flood of mercy. Oh Lord, pour your grace. Pour your grace on this place. Pray pray for us as we continue to battle There's only a guarantee of failures to come. Oh God, but thank you that there is a stronger guarantee of your love for us and your son Jesus. Oh God, give us confidence in the gospel, in Christ, upon which we can get up again and again and again and again. And in that strength, make us a holy people transformed into your image one degree of glory to another And so lord would you do your work of grace in this time in this place for the for the joy of your people for the glory of your name we pray this in jesus name